Thank you for that. You don't have to clap for me when I come up. That's okay, though. All right, let's see here. Luke chapter number four. And as we get into this passage of scripture, the Lord has just started his earthly ministry. He has, he has started, he was in, uh, in Galilee, and now we find he, is, he has taken a little bit of time, and now he's going to go back to his hometown of Nazareth. As he goes back to Nazareth, we know that the scripture tells us that, uh, that uh, uh, they do not receive the prophet of their own land. And they did, not, uh, they did not really accept him. And you get farther down in this chapter and literally uh, they reject the Savior and they, they kick him out. And isn't it amazing how, how feeble we are? I could say that they are. But it's not just them that's feeble. We are so frail. These things called emotions, do you ever have to talk to yourself and talk you out of how you feel? Because you know how you feel isn't right, but you still feel that way? And here as the Lord has gone back to his hometown, he goes into his own synagogue. The place where he went as a child. The place where he had heard the scripture revealed and read and where before he even has read, as the scripture tells us, uh, in that synagogue. And, and so uh, this was a very special uh, place to him. But in this passage, if you look at verse number 17, we find uh, a word that is used twice. It says, and there was delivered unto him the book, the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So we see the opening of God's word. Now, with this, the, the book Isaiah, whether it was in book form, whether it was referencing the book of uh, Isaiah, whether it was in a scroll, uh, that really isn't relevant. But what is relevant, that he was, it was talking about God's word. And he was, he was standing up, he was given uh, the word of God, and he opens the book. Now go to verse number 20, look at it with me. It says, and he closed the book. So we have a time of the Savior opening the book, and then we have a time where he closes the book. And this morning, we're going to look at what takes place in between the two. And I want to speak to you on the subject, it's open. It's open. And let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would take your word now and use it in the hearts of these people. Lord, I love these people. I want to be a help, a blessing. I want to help all of us, myself included. I need to grow. I pray that all of us would today. I pray that we would see the truths that you have given to us. I pray that it would not be an academic exercise of our being here today, but that we would truly desire to hear from heaven. May the Spirit of God work in our hearts and help us, uh, Lord, to make decisions that would be pleasing in your sight. And so work now during this time. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. So here we look at this, uh, this 
this time, this event, and uh, I want you to see some things about the Lord's interaction here at his home synagogue in Nazareth. First of all, I want you to see public worship. I want you to see public worship. I've got like 43 points this morning, uh, and so you're going to have to listen quick. I'll talk quick, uh, and we'll get done late. You listen quick, I'll talk quick, and we'll get done late, uh, get done slow. Uh, so uh, anyway, public worship. Look at verse number 14, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says, and Jesus returned in the power of of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. What do we find here? Uh, it was the Lord's custom to be in the place of worship, it was his custom. To be in the house of God, uh, at, as was his custom. Uh, it was his custom. It was a personal decision. You know, young people right now, teenagers, uh, you're, many of you coming, are coming because it's your parents' decision. It's your parents' custom. It needs to get to a place where it's our custom. Husband, are you here today because it's your wife's custom, or are you here today because it's your custom? Are we here because it's mom and dad's custom, or are we here because it's a spouse's custom, or is it our custom? You know what? We see that the Lord, his, his life, he was the perfect example for us. Amen. And this custom that he had was to gather together for public worship. He said, Pastor, I'm here. I know. Praise the Lord. What about tonight? What about next Sunday? You see, what about Wednesday? You see, at some point, we have to figure out what, what do we believe about this thing about worship? You see, the Bible does have a plan. God's pretty smart. You know, we, we get a, a new car, or maybe you buy a new car, or maybe it's new to you, or maybe it's a brand new car, and in the glove box, there is this thing, it's called an owner's manual. Now, very few people get the owner's manual out and read it before they operate their car. When is it that we get the owner's manual out? When something goes wrong and we can't figure it out on our own. That dumb clock, how do you reset that clock? There's, a, there's something flashing on my dash. What does that mean? Uh, and you get, the, you get that out uh, and you try to figure out what is going on. You know what? God has given us a plan on how we are to live. When we follow his plans, you know what we find? We miss a whole lot of those warning signals. We miss out on a whole lot of the problems that life brings our way if we'll just follow the instructions and hear the Lord. It was his custom uh, to go to the synagogue, to the house of God. It was a personal uh, decision to come to a public place of worship. It was Jesus' custom. It's what he did. 
It was his custom. Coming to meet with God in the house of God. It was his custom. And, and here with that, he said, well, pastor, uh, you know, I, I'm here this morning. Well, let's make, let's make it our custom. Let's make it our decision that Sunday's the Lord's day. Amen. Sunday's the Lord's day. Well, I can't understand how come it was so quiet right there. You're, in, you're here, all right? Uh, Sunday's the Lord's day. This is a great day for you to be here. You're not the one that's not here. You don't have to feel, feel bad. But Sunday is the Lord's day. Uh, and with that, we need to make that decision. Uh, uh, nobody was going to change that custom that the Lord had. Nobody was going to change it for him. It was, it was his custom. This is what God wants me to do. And, and we see that, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Uh, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, you know, the Lord didn't stay home because... He, he didn't stay home because there wasn't anything that was going to be taught to him. He didn't stay home because he didn't need it. Now, if anybody didn't need it, it was the Lord. He was perfect. But it was still his custom to come. Sometimes people have this idea, well, I don't need to be there. I'm okay without it. Not according to God. Amen. Now, I know there's health issues. I know things happen and uh, people get sick and there's things that we can't uh, avoid. Uh, but, but here, the Lord was there. Uh, he didn't say that he, he was going to stay home because he didn't need it. He didn't say, I'm going to stay home because, man, there's hypocrites at church. He didn't use an excuse of why he wasn't going to be there. He was just going to be there. He, he didn't say, I don't like religion or the religious system. And you know what? The Lord came not to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. What was going on? The religious system of the day was broken. It was corrupt. Yet he still went. He still went. And that is an example for us. So we can give all kinds of excuses of why we're not we're, uh, in the house of God. But here the Lord, we see that he was, he was in uh, a place of public worship there. Uh, and let me, let me say this, COVID has changed uh, the, uh, it has destroyed so, the faithfulness of so many. It has destroyed the faithfulness of the faithful. They were faithful, and no longer is that the case. Uh, and we went from being uh, faithful to becoming complacent. And things now are not based on what is what God says. Now things are based on what is convenient. You know, it's more convenient. It'd be more convenient for me to sit in my chair at the house. Turn on the remote. Oh, there's nobody up there. <laughs> that would not be good. 
And just like if I'm not my place, you have a responsibility to be in your place. Amen. All right. So we replace that. We see that public, uh, that public, uh, his public worship there. But I want you to see the proclamation. And this is where we are going to stay this morning, the public proclamation. Uh, Jesus' fame in Galilee had spread. Now he returns to his hometown. Uh, they had heard so much about him. The fame was there. And now he goes home to his home synagogue. They were probably pretty excited to hear uh, from him, to see him, to see what all was going on. Hey, yeah, we know this guy. We knew him when he was growing up. And now he comes back. They're pretty excited about it. But they don't stay that excited when he starts teaching and preaching uh, to them. But I want you to see uh, the proclamation of who he was. Uh, Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1 and 2 is the reference of scripture that he uses here in in Luke 4. Uh, But Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, the Bible says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. So this is a messianic prophecy. And the Lord get, comes and, and he, uh, he, he opens up the book Isaiah. He goes to this passage of scripture and he reads this passage and then he tells them that this day is this scripture fulfilled in your eyes? He's saying this messianic scripture, this, this scripture, Old Testament prophecy, telling of the coming Messiah, he's here. And I am he. And Jesus here was declaring, he was proclaiming uh, that he was uh, the Son of God. He was the Christ. And so I want you to notice something, though, uh, about how he, how he goes about in communicating this proclamation. Go back to Luke chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. So we see the Spirit of God moving there. Uh, He returned in the power of the Spirit. Verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he hath anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. And he goes through what he had been anointed by the Holy Spirit of God to do. Now, the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit led our Savior. And we are to be Spirit-led as well. God doesn't want us just going through life in our own power, in our own strength, in our own abilities. He wants to empower us so we can accomplish his work. Now, when the Lord, the Holy Spirit was upon the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in John 3, 34, the Bible says, For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. You see, the Holy Spirit was given to the Savior, not by measure, but in fullness. We, we need 
the Holy Spirit in our life as well. God's work has to be done in God's power. We can, we can do some things in the flesh, and we do. But that's not what God's plan is. The work of God should be done in the power of God, not in the arm of the flesh. And you and I are to be following the Spirit of God and allowing Him to lead us and to guide us and direct us. So God's work has to be done in God's power. The anointing of the Spirit was for ministry. It was for service. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised. So all of this... This was for the work uh, that God had for him to do, but he needed to do this in the Spirit of God. And so let's look uh, real quickly here at these different areas. First of all, it was to preach the gospel. He needed to be Spirit-led. Why? So he could preach the gospel. This world needs the gospel. He said, well, pastor, we need all kinds of other things. No, we need the gospel. The transforming power of the gospel takes care of everything else. It is just amazing what God does. Uh, God hath chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, the Bible tells us. It is the gospel. It is uh, man changing uh, from a, a carnal uh, being uh, that is dead in trespasses and sins to accepting uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. And what the gospel does in a life, he will transform you. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And there isn't anything else that this world needs other than the gospel. Uh, the gospel will change people. Uh, it will change our world one soul at a time. Our community needs the gospel. Our family needs the gospel. We need the gospel. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. And just getting saved is not the end of the gospel. The power of the gospel is more than just us getting saved. The gospel will just change us. It will allow God to, to work in our lives. And so he was to preach the gospel. Uh, the first place he said to preach the gospel, he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Why? Because the poor are receptive. Those that are needy, realize they have a need. You know, you talk to people that are broken, talk to people that don't have, there's no pretense that they're putting out. There's no pride. I need help. You know what? People that are in a spot like that, they're ready for the gospel. They're, they're ready for change. They're ready to hear what God has for them. And what do you find? You find, you go to the poor, and you know what you're going to find? You're going to find people that are going to listen to the gospel. You know what? We are to preach to the poor. And there are churches that don't want to go to the poor. You know why? Because they feel like those people can't do anything for us. 
We don't share the gospel because it, people do something for us. We share the gospel because people are in need of a savior. And without Christ, they will go to a, to a devil's hell. And you know what God does? God knows how to bring other people along. He knows how to, to give the church what it needs. But let me tell you, you and I, we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and look around and see that God has given us an opportunity to be able to share the good news. Now, you say, Pastor, do we need to ignore everybody else? No, we're going to tell everybody that we can tell. But let's not just avoid somebody because they don't have something. He said, preach to the poor, the most receptive. Uh, they are ready. Uh, people in need, they pray. People in need, they pursue help. Uh, the rich, the well-off, the secure, oftentimes they don't recognize their need. They feel like they've got it all handled. Their God might be their money, their wealth, their possessions. But the Lord said, I was anointed. The Holy Spirit anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And, and that, is, that is something that we need to be uh, doing is preaching uh, to the poor, preaching the gospel. It needs to go everywhere, uh, but, but not to forget the poor. Secondly, we see he was to heal the brokenhearted. Hurting hearts need a spirit-led person to help them. If, you, if you've been saved any, any period of time, you should have matured, we should have matured enough to see the needs of people around us. And as we see the, the brokenhearted and that's not just outside the doors, that is even within the doors. Sometimes it's right, the person that's right next to us. And we have got to realize that uh, we are to uh, help those. The Lord came uh, to heal the brokenhearted, uh, the brokenhearted people that have lost love, people that have loss of life, uh, family, loss of life. Maybe they have lost their liberty, their freedom. Uh, and, and with that, we see that hurting people hurt people. Sometimes we see somebody hurting somebody else. We've got to stop and realize, why are they doing that? They're doing that because they're hurt. And we have to realize that we have an opportunity to help heal. That won't happen if we're not spirit-led. You see, the Lord was there, and he was going to, uh, to preach the gospel to the poor. He was going to heal uh, the brokenhearted. He was going to be there to meet the needs of those that came across his path. He was going to, thirdly, preach deliverance to the captives. Preach deliverance to the captives. There is victory in Christ. There's victory. And 
It's not just victory over the consequences of sin going to take us to hell. There is victory over the power of sin in our lives. And, and I'm thankful for every program that wants to help uh, people. Uh, and there are, there are a lot of programs uh, that will promote that somebody is still an addict or still an alcoholic. And uh, they gather and they will say, uh, my name is, uh, and they'll put their name in there. And they'll say, I am an alcoholic or I am an addict and uh, and they will go through they they are always their identity is always tied up in that let me tell you something christ does not leave us in the condition he found us and not only does he just give us freedom he breaks those chains it's not like, well, I'm still an addict, I'm still bound in, in, in this uh, addiction, and, and now my chain is longer. I'm three years, I'm five years, I'm 15 years, I'm 20 years, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic, uh, but I've been clean for 20 years. They're still tied to that chain. You know what Christ does? He breaks that chain. He said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you Free. Free. The Lord, he breaks that. Uh, And we need to be preaching deliverance. We need to be telling people that there is deliverance. There is victory. They don't have to stay bound uh, in sin. And let me tell you, you don't either. I don't care how good we look this morning. There's still things that people are dealing with on a daily basis. There's victory in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Liberty is available in Christ. It's available in Christ. Whatever that is in our life, the chains of addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography, immorality, whether it's jealousy or envy or gossip or pride or the love of money, whatever you want to fit, put in that, that list that has got you bound, let me tell you, there is victory. And the Lord said, we are to preach deliverance. Why? So people don't have to be stuck. They don't have to carry the weight of that sin, those addictions. Fourthly, we see recovering sight to the blind. Now, when we think of that, oftentimes we think about just a physical healing. And the Lord did heal. He raised the dead. He made the lame to walk. He, the blind to see. The Lord did use healing But that was not his main ministry. He used the healing as a mode to preach the gospel. And here when we see this recovering sight to the blind, he's not talking about the physical. He's talking about the spiritual. Their eyes were blinded by the evil one. 
and they needed to be opened. Having eyes to see, they see not. Ears to hear, they hear not. He's not talking about the physical here. He's talking about the spiritual. Uh, the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, eyes had to be opened. The, the believers, they needed their eyes open to spiritual things. And just because a person is saved does not mean that they have spiritual eyesight. This world is indoctrinating at levels that we can't even begin to imagine. And what do we find? We find that that secular influence, it has come right into the church. And believers that are in the church, saved, they still operate by a secular worldview. Don't get quiet. You see, we have eyes, but we see not. And he said that, that here that these, he was a recovering sight to the blind. And, and I'm afraid that the church has been saved, but we still have a secular worldview. The eyes have not been opened to the truth. It takes spirit being spirit-led to change that focus. The woke liberal world has darkened, blinded the eyes of many. People are deceived. Christians now are embracing unbiblical behaviors, attitudes, and actions because they don't want to be judgmental. The only, the only verse that the world knows is judge not. You have to judge. The Bible teaches us that we are to make righteous judgment. It is talking, when it says judge not lest you be judged, he is talking about being a Pharisee and not dealing with what's going on in your own life and you have major things in your life and now you're pointing out something small in somebody else's life. That's the context of that passage of Scripture. It has nothing to do with revealing right and wrong. And the church is getting quiet and the world is getting more vocal. We're quiet to the detriment of our own children. Our kids are hearing all of this. And if we don't stand up and say that what's right and what's wrong, they will be deceived. Our families are at stake. Our future's at stake. There's deception and delusion going on. The LGBTQ movement. It's an abomination against God. So, Pastor, you're just picking on that. So is adultery. 
You know, people come to church and now the war, we come into the church and we embrace that people are living together in an immoral relationship. That's ungodly. Well, we don't want to judge anybody. It's one thing somebody comes in, they just don't know. We, over the years, we've had families come in. I don't know how many marriages I have performed in my office. Somebody getting saved and trying to get things right. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, what? I'm, in a, I'm in a mess. I didn't even know that this was wrong. And they start learning and growing and making decisions and getting things right. That's, that's a different ballgame. But those that are just embracing it and thinking it's okay, it's not okay. Lord said, be holy, for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. Amen. Amen. We, we, can't, we can't act as though that there are some sins that the Lord is going to judge, but ours is okay. It doesn't work that way. But, but there is an agenda out there that's after our kids. The LGBTQ movement, LG, I don't even know enough letters in the alphabet anymore uh, to put along with it. Uh, the trans population and all that woke ideology and the delusion that is being promoted. I'm not talking about being hateful, but you do not have to buy into the delusion. If I, if I stood up this morning and said that I am a black woman, It would not be true. It doesn't matter what I say. I'm a man. Praise the Lord. All the guys should say amen right there. And I'm glad my wife is a woman. Amen. And there is nothing in between. That's Bible. It's not just Bible, it's science. Why? Because it's truth. Truth is exclusive. You say, well, you think you're the only one that's right. No, truth is right. But since it's true, I have no problem standing on it. It has nothing to do with my personal feelings. Brother Tracy told me that he was a woman. That's one ugly lady. <laughs> if he told me that, I would say you need some help. Somebody ta- tells me that they have all these different personalities, and I have had family that we've dealt with that has gone through some of that. So I understand that. I'm not being hateful. I'm just saying there are people that have been deceived. There have been people that have been manipulated. But God's people should not be. Amen. We should know truth. We've got to learn the truth. We need to be spirit-led. A deception, the the delusion that is there. Uh, And it's not just that we are against certain types of sin. Uh, I'm against all sin. I'm against your sin and I'm against my sin. All of it. Uh, the Lord is. And here, what do we find? We find that the Lord says that we are, he was, he was uh, led of the Spirit. He was anointed to recover sight to the blind, for to bring people from a position where they could not see clearly to or could not see to where they could see. 
And that's, that was uh, the, the job there. And then we see, uh, fifthly, to set at liberty. To set at liberty. Verse number 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, deliver, uh, to preach deliverance to the captives, and, and recoverings uh, of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Them that are bruised. Humanity has been bruised. Because of the fall of man. There is a battle. There is a consequence. That we deal with on a regular basis. Because of our own sin nature. And here he said. To set at liberty. Them that are bruised. Bruised by the fall. Still, still dealing with the consequences of the curse, the sin nature, what do we find? Is that the Spirit of God will set us at liberty from ourselves. You know, you and I are our worst enemy. We are our worst enemy. And the Lord can give us liberty in our life. He, he enables us through the Holy Spirit to help us deal with our humanity. There is no th such thing as sinless perfection. You will never be sinless, but you should sin less. We should sin less. But he, en he enables us to deal with our humanity. He gives us power through the indwelling Spirit of God. He gives us guidance from the revealed Word of God. He gives us support from the people of God. What does that do? That helps us. That sets us at liberty. Then lastly, we see he proclaimed hope to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. There's hope. You know what? It gets better from here. It gets better from here. You say, well, pastor, it's going to wax worse and worse. Yeah, down here. But it gets better from here. The Lord's coming back. And if you're God's child, that's where our focus has got to be. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, the Lord's coming back. He's talking about uh, his kingdom. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Lord's coming back. This world is not my home, the songwriter wrote. Uh, I'm just a passing through. And that is the, the truth. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. The Lord's coming. And so here, uh, as the Lord, he opened the book and he proclaims this. He gives this proclamation. He closes the book. But let me tell you, everything that he proclaimed is still open for all of us. It's still open. Salvation is still available. You're here this morning and you have never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. I'm not, I'm not just talking about that you believe that Christ existed. The Bible says that the devils believe and tremble. I'm not talking about I have knowledge about him. John chapter 3, we find how Jesus, uh, Nicodemus, a religious ruler, came to Jesus 
And Jesus looked at him and said, ye must be born again. There has to be that time where we understand that there is a Savior and that we are a sinner. And without our putting our faith in Jesus Christ and asking him to be our Savior, then we are dead in our trespasses and sins, the Bible tells us. He said, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Jesus, he opened the book. Proclamation was made. And all these proclamations, they're still open. Heal the brokenhearted. You're here this morning. Let me tell you, the Lord can heal that broken heart. You're, you're bound. He can give you deliverance. He can give you deliverance. He can heal your broken heart. He can give deliverance. He can meet the needs that we have no matter what they are. And child of God, all that he promised there in that proclamation, he wants us to be a part of that in the lives of others. It's not just about us getting what we want. It's also for us to be able to share and help somebody else. It's open. It's open. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, maybe the Spirit of God put his finger on one area of our life. Lord, as I look around, I see many that are saved and some that I do not know the condition of their soul, but you know. And right now, I pray the Spirit of God would lead and guide and direct, convict those that need to make a decision, challenge those that are saved to follow and make decisions as well. But help us today. Work in our midst. For Christ's sake, I pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You say, Pastor, I am saved. I know the Lord is my personal Savior. As a testimony to the Lord, uh, I am a child of God. I, I have already accepted him as my personal Savior. Just slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I see your hand. You can put it down. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor, I am unsure. I don't know if I died right now. I would go to heaven. But I'm concerned about it. I don't have a good answer. I don't have that confirmation. Say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I won't come back to you. I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm unsure. Pray for me. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. All right? Maybe the Holy Spirit worked on your heart on one of these proclamations. And whatever it is that he put his finger on, let's respond to it. Let's allow him to work through us, the Spirit of God to use us for his glory. Father, you know the needs of each person. Speak to hearts, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The instruments will play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you respond. You respond. You don't know Christ is your personal Savior. You come. You're saved and the Lord put his finger on an area of your life. You need to make some changes. There's nothing like an old-fashioned altar, a bowed knee, a humble heart, 
here this morning and you've been saved and haven't followed the Lord in believer's baptism, you come. We have everything ready. You've been saved and baptized and feel like this is where God would have you join, you come. It's open. gospel invitation it's open healing for the broken hearted, enlightenment for the blind, help for the bruised hope for the future it's all ours it's available Amen. You can be seated. And this morning we had Christopher Ross come, and he came, got the assurance of his salvation, and is going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism this morning. And so praise the Lord for that. And so we will have a song, Brother Davis, if you'll come, and we'll sing as we prepare for baptism. We'll get it, Daniel. We're going to sing. You can remain seated. Number 457, To God Be the Glory. We sang it a little bit ago. We'll have the words here perhaps in a moment. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. Let's sing it out together. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So
likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. And the servant said to the master, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. And thank you so much for being here this morning. And Brother Franklin, how about you close us in prayer, please? day in God's house. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day that we could come and worship you, Lord. And we just pray that, Lord, uh, we will just take what we've learned uh, today, apply it in our lives, Lord. Be with us as we leave. Bring us safely back as the doors open tonight. Uh, we love you and thank you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.